Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, December 17th, 2023. Coming to us live from Florida Media in Rockville Center. Got another holiday-rific episode coming up for you tonight. Sammy Silver of the Hockey News, who covers the Washington Capitals, will be joining us later on. Another great show coming up for you tonight. With me as always, Stefan Rosner. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Stefan, how do you do? You can't tell? No, I'm fantastic. No, this is great. Holiday spirits. You look uh, great. I mean, I can't look worse. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a great start to the show here. Yeah, no, absolutely. So thanks for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. Before we get going, I want to thank all of our wonderful sponsors. We are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also happy to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also happy to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com. That's R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N. IFF.com for a free consultation. So, Stefan Rosner, busy week for the New York. Are you okay? I'm just, I, I'm smiles feel, from you today. I feel very funny, so I'm going to keep laughing. <laughs> you don't look just... funny at all. You look great. That's what the comments A busy yeah. week for the New York Islanders. Two, one, and one. Uh, they give up a couple of leads again. Surprise, surprise. But, I mean, you look at it and it's a little successful. You know, the two wins, you get points in three out of four games. Uh, rough one against the Canadians. They have a, a rough start there. We'll get into that. But but all in all, another week where the Islanders are banking points, even if they're making it interesting. Why don't we start talking about that? Yeah, I don't know. I know we spoke about it last week. Well, can they keep this up? Can they do this? Are they a different mm-hmm. team? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we learned anything about this group this week that we didn't already know. Because, again, the same issues okay. arose. Well, they blow two goal leads in back-to-back-to-back games. Montreal, mm-hmm. they didn't have one. Obviously, they Um, blew a tie in that game. But yeah, so again, they're being resilient. Mm -hmm. They're finding ways to get points is what really matters. But you're still seeing these late game issues, whether it's bad bounces, like things that really are out of their control in terms of in those moments. Yes, certain plays can be made ahead of the time. That way Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. Right. But they're just they're finding ways to give up these leads. And some points this week, they came back and got the win. But other games like the look at the Boston game, you know, you have a lead late against that. You had three leads in that game. A lot of leads. Yeah, I guess we could dive yeah. through it. Toronto, obviously, that was the game where John Tavares gets his 1,000 point. Of course. Of course. It as, bangs, I, as I prophesied last week. Yeah, banks off his back. Morgan Riley, right place, <laughs> right course. time. Snaps it in with, what, under seven seconds to play. Yeah, the Islanders, worst timing of all for that. Islanders yeah. go and get the win in overtime. Um, Horvat, which... Yes, the connection. The they Bo, really needed the that there. connection. Uh, the fan base was, you know, what you expected with Tavares every time he touched the puck. every time he Actually, every time his foot stepped on the ice. The booze rain. I was wondering going in, like, if it was going to start to subside at no. all. It did not. The The booze were, were hot and heavy. And when he got his 1,000th point, it was uh, it was very loud. And I think we yeah. talked about it. I think I said if you're an Islander fan, I think you'd rather see him get the 1,000th point and then lose. Like, make it that he gets an individual accomplishment and they lose the game. I'm pretty sure I said that. I, I could be completely wrong. <laughs> okay. It did happen, so I guess. <laughs> no, I but, think I think that made it a little sweeter for yeah. Islander fans, right? Where, you know, not only does he get the 1,000-point in dramatic fashion to tie the game. I mean, it would have been completely different if they ended up winning after that. Like, that would have been Yeah, oh, 
if the Leafs won an overtime after that. But the fact that, you know, 45, 46 seconds into overtime, right after, you know, the Maple Leafs spill out onto the onto the ice from the bench. And as that was happening, I was like, can they do that? And they then got I found a, out. Yeah. Right. They got permission wherever it happened that they could do it. So that would that surprised me a little bit. That was a bit of a spectacle. And I was like, man, that's that's brutal here on uh UBS ice, right? But but then the for the Islanders to come back and win it in overtime right after that, that felt nice. That felt nice. Were you shocked they put up on the the screen? Congratulations. No, no, because the Islanders and any organization still have to do the classy thing, regardless of what the fans might think, and you know whether you know Lou or Malkin or whoever or the graphic guy was the like, yeah, okay. might have their own thoughts on on it, but they have to do that. They yeah, have to no, put it up sure. there. So yeah, they got them up there with the graphic and and uh, the booze rained on down. Uh, it was entertaining. I was laughing, you know. But uh, but then it was great to see them get the win right afterwards. Kind of stick it and be like, oh, so much for your individual accomplishment, you know? And then they followed it up with a win over the Ducks. And they didn't need overtime because Simon Holmstrom just continues to do what he does. Um, I know we'll get yes. to him in a little bit later. Yes. But, I mean, just he loves being shorthanded. <laughs> he, just... he does. He he likes the 5-4 situation. Yeah, he's really come out of his shell, like you said. We'll, we'll touch on him more later on. But uh, a little more heroics from him. And but another game where the Islanders have a two goal lead, they they blow it, they make it interesting once again, and and you know it was nice for them to close it out before it got to overtime this time. At least they got the two. Not that it matters against a Western Conference team, but at least they get a regulation win. You know because now you have all that in the standings yeah. now, right? Where regulation, regulation, overtime, overtime when they all they're all worth different, and the Islanders uh, kind of have to play catch up in that regard because all their games seemingly seem to go to either overtime or uh, or a shootout, so they're not go- getting those main regulation wins out of it. So that might, uh, you know, come back to bite them a little bit when they get to the end, end part of the season. But they won. They won. I mean, Matthew Barzal's tying goal and make it 3-3 that one time on the power play. Shoot the puck, please. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, like, now you know he can do that. Do that all the time. Yeah, and please. he talk- I spoke to him about it. You can check it out on the Hockey News about how much he's worked on the one-time shot. It's yeah, changed yeah. everything for Dobson at the point on the power play because instead of giving it to Barzal, knowing that he's going to pass it back or pass it across, he's now got to put it in the wheelhouse because Barzal could let it rip. Uh, that was also Ross Johnson's return. Yes. Got a standing ovation, got a tribute video. I spoke to him after the game and asked about just seeing the tribute video after spending a bunch of years on the island. Yeah, again, I don't know if I expect it or not, but I don't think you can really prep for that. So um, probably hit me a little deeper than I thought it would have. Um, a lot of great memories here. A lot of close teammates. Um, made Long Island home for a lot of years. So um, especially back and the tribute was a nice touch by the Islanders. And uh, I'm forever grateful for my time here. And then I asked Johnson about how weird it was to play against his, his teammates, former teammates. Uh, it's strange. It really is. Um, the dressing room kind of one thing is it you just feel like you're in Seattle, so there's really no difference there. Um, same setup, but um, it's strange. But I think the nerves before the game were kind of on a pedestal, and once I get out there and um, got into it with a few of the guys, it felt more like an inter-squad game by times against, uh, against those guys. So, um, like I said, a lot of close friends, but... Um, once you get out there, everyone's professionals. You play hockey and play hard. So after that, after the audio cut, I asked him about Pajot, who threw a right hook at him during yes, the scrum of that game. And I yes. said, what was that about? He goes, I got to go talk to him right now. <laughs> Obviously, nothing. They're probably going to hug it out, things right, like that. Right. It got heated. Uh, Johnson's job is to do that. He almost scored twice in this game, too. Yeah. Semi-breakaway yeah. that mm-hmm. Bortuzzi made a heck of a back check on. And then he had a deflection or in tight redirection that got stopped so yeah Ross Johnson's obviously he knows his role on a real on a team that's struggling mightily without Zegers without Drysdale those guys are close to returning but good to see Ross Johnson getting playing time too 
Yeah, good for him. It seems like it's working out. I mean, it didn't look like with the depth this, the Islanders seem to have now with the yeah. guys like Godier and Fashing stepping up here, he wasn't getting into any games without any injuries. So good for him and nice touch by the Islanders to give him a little tribute. And, and that exchange with Pajot was uh, pretty entertaining because it, it looked like it caught Johnson off guard where he was like, all right, and then he went back at him, you know? Yeah, I, again, before the game, we were talking about it in the press box. We we're like, all right, who, who do you have fighting Johnson? I'm like, Pajot. And Pajot was practicing with Martin. I just feel like Pajot is a small guy that would have no issues doing it. And then when I see Pajot throw the punch, I'm like, oh, this actually might happen. That's like so right funny. now. Yeah, it reminds me of when he, he threw that fake punch at uh, Brian Boyle a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago in the playoffs. That was yeah. entertaining too. But uh, yeah, good for Ross. Nice to have him back. But let's jump into the, the Bruins game. That was a strong game from the New York Islanders. Had a couple leads, multiple leads in that game. Obviously squandered. You're, you're playing against uh, one of the top teams in the league. Pasenek, obviously a thorn in the Islanders side for years. He ends up being quite the thorn that night but I want to get your thoughts on that game just how the Islanders performed and, and obviously we know the difference was, was the special teams with the three power play goals against a four three power play so obviously that's something that still needs to be cleaned up it looked like they were getting away from that it looked like their pet penalty kid was getting better obviously did not work out against the Bruins for whatever reason when the Bruins get power plays against the Islanders the puck is going into the net I think uh, it might have even been you who tweeted out five of six I think this year for the Bruins, uh, five, I think five power play goals and six tries. I think that's a stat. Maybe uh, maybe Jake the Snake, you can check that out for me uh, when you get a chance. But obviously uh, a tough team, tough game, shootout loss. What would you see? I thought the Islanders were fantastic early. I mean, they get the lead, but they were also dominating puck possession. They were really giving it to Boston, a team that I think maybe early in the first period was clogging the neutral zone, making it really tough for the Islanders. But then in the second period, the Islanders gave it right back, mm-hmm. clogged the neutral zone, playing more like we saw a couple of years ago with this Islanders team where they sure. were just suffocating defensively. All the lines were cycling the offensive zone, and Linus Olmark stood on his head. I mean, this game could have been over in the second period, but as the Islanders' luck would have it, the goalie they faced who was the Vesna winner last year, stood tall, kept the Bruins in it, allowed the Bruins to come back. And then again, they score that, not late goal, but they score a goal in the third period to tie the game up. And then it goes to overtime. Overtime was wild. And then the shootout, excuse me, Pasternak wins it. And I think for, you look at the Islanders, it was such a strong game that the fact they ended up blowing the leads again is just, like again, this was an elite team where early on in the year, they stayed with them. Remember, mm-hmm. Holmstrom scores that short ended goal. Right. And they allowed right. the power play goal right then and there. And that was the game. Yeah, and they played them even better in this one, and they were literally a skate blade away from a that, 3 nothing yeah. lead. You wonder how the game would have transpired if, if that had gone in because it went back right well, the other Geeky's, way to go 2-1. Geeky's not one. scoring that goal there because that right. play's dead. Well, but then you wonder, well, this is what the Islanders do. Would they have found a way to cough up those goals anyway? But look, 3 nothing, they would have been looking pretty good. And, you know, you, you almost uh, maybe you don't get on Holmstrom too much for it, but, I mean, he had a lot of net there, and somehow he managed to put it right back at Holmstrom's skate, and it doesn't work out. But, uh, but all in all, like you said, a, a good game, and, and Pasternak with that that shootout goal, man, like he just so nonchalant, just comes up and rips it like so insulting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, so insulting. Sorokin's not the greatest in uh, shootouts. Also, Holmstrom's goal to keep the shootout alive was nasty. Yes. Um, yes. Holmstrom's goal in that game, did he score in that? Yeah, he scored in that game. He was sure did. Nasty. That semi breakaway, of that course. That was the, uh, the 2 nothing goal. Yeah, feed from yeah. Pajot, mm-hmm. forehand, ba- I mean, backhand, forehand. It was just. It comes naturally to Holmstrom in those situations. Suddenly. And it's weird, though, because some people say, like, okay, well, shootouts are much different than breakaways, more time, but Holmstrom's proving that he doesn't need the time. Like, he could figure it out. And Omar's a big guy, too. So if if you're going to beat him, it's got to be, you got to get him moving quick. So Mm -hmm. I thought, again, I thought the Islanders played such a good game. The penalties killed them. And you saw in the first time in the meeting of the year that penalties were a main factor. And you said, okay, all they got to do is just stay playing five on five, especially with them without Charlie McAvoy and Pavel Zaka were out. You have much more opportunity at 5-on-5 to beat this team. Mm. And they just couldn't 
get out of their own way. Yeah, and real quick, we'll touch on the Montreal game before we have to break for Sammy. They had nothing in the first yeah. two periods. They came out flat. It looked like they just put everything into that game the night before against the Bruins. Which it they, goes you through overtime. Hey, look, it happens. It goes all the way through overtime. They get to a shootout, and they go up to Montreal, and they just have nothing in those those first periods. I mean, I guess if you're looking for, for anything to hang your hat on is is maybe the fact that they, they did find a way to f- show some fight after that second intermission. Nelson with the two goals. They make it interesting, but ultimately they don't end up being able to uh, mount their own comeback. Yeah, and before we break, Bo Horvat in the dying seconds of the third period got like clotheslined at the Islanders' blue line, fell on his wrist, yes. came off the ice holding his left hand. Um, we don't have any updates, no updates after the game. They'll practice Monday morning. So, of course, guys, I will tweet as soon as we see him hit the ice or if he doesn't hit the ice. Um, that being said, again, there was no update after the game. We weren't expecting an update. But if they lose him, obviously that's catastrophic. Um, so I guess the hope here is that, that. <laughs> the ho- I guess the hope here is that he's just banging his hand and he'll be fine. Okay, fair enough. Well, folks, want to thank you all for tuning in to Twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sammy Silver of the Hockey News will be joining us. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh-made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. Joining us on the line is Sammy Silber, Capitals beat reporter for the Hockey News. Sammy, how you doing? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. How are you? I like the hat. <laughs> yeah, it was a forced thing, but I think we're both looking pretty good here in the, in the Christmas spirits. But Sammy, to start things off, what is going on with Alex Ovechkin this year? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's weird. I think I think I tweeted this yesterday to maybe not the best feedback from fans, but I don't think necessarily he's having a bad season. Um, but obviously the the chances just aren't dropping. You look at his play and his shots and his totals, and it still stacks up with Ovechkin. Um, you know, the shot total and quantity and whatever. Just the chances are not going in his career. The shooting percentage is at career low right now, 5.32. Um, six shots last night, 14 attempts last night. A lot of those attempts are also just missing the mark or maybe blocked. Um, and, and it's just a slow – excuse my dog in the background. It's just a slow start to the season um, and obviously not ideal with it being 27 games now um, in the midst of, I think, game 28 tonight. So um, rough – I personally haven't heard anything with regard to, you know, is he hurt? Is he injured? Anything like that? Um, I have not seen or heard anything hinting at that. Um, Obviously, the chances just aren't dropping. Um, I mean, everything is a reason, but talent like that, 
doesn't just vanish, you know, after a few months, you know what I mean? So I think that there's a lot of circumstances too, you know, you can't just put it all on him. The offense for the Capitals as a whole is down right now. The power play is one of the worst in the league. Um, Just a lot culminating in this drought. That's the longest of his career now. So wait and see situation with him, but uh, the Caps have told me the players, you know, tell me all the time, you know, don't bet against the big man. So, (laughs) Hey, Sammy, great to have you on, Sean, here. Uh, First question I want to ask you is just just who the hell is Spencer Carberry? I I asked that in jest almost (laughs) just for us fans, you know, around the league who might not be too familiar with the Washington Capitals system. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about him and how the team's responded to him so far this season. Yeah, for sure. No, Carberry is a uh, he's a familiar face to us uh, D.C. folk. Um, Obviously, back in his playing days, played for the South Carolina Stingrays. That's actually the Caps ECHL affiliate. Um, coached with the Hershey Bears for uh, a little stint, and then after that got offered the assistant coaching job in Toronto. Um, and from there, he kind of took charge of their power play and made it one of the best in the league, really helped those forwards in that offense, you know, and finally helped them get past the first round, which is something. Um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously the Caps and LaViolette chose to part ways, um, mutual decision there, and... The Caps like to bring in Spencer Carberry. He's 41, so he's the youngest coach uh, in the NHL right now. And I think the players responded really well to him. He is a very high-energy individual. Like, that was my first impression, like, meeting him was like, wow. Like, this guy is like, like I need to have my coffee when I talk to him. Because, <laughs> like, he, I want to I match that energy. Um, and if I were playing for him, you, it's a guy you want to play for. Um, he keeps it high pace. His the effort is there, you know, always high energy. You know, no slowing down at practice. We're going one hundred percent the whole time. Nobody's taking a day off. Nobody's taking a shift off. Um, and he'll he'll get into the nitty gritty with you too as a player. So um, for him, it's it's an energy that I think this team needed at this point. I think that Washington is a veteran group, um, injecting some youth. Um, and having Carberry, somebody who coached in Hershey and is familiar with those younger guys, um, but can also come in and bring that spark and that energy to really push, you know, those players is huge. Um, and obviously, you know, what he's done with the power play, um, we haven't seen it necessarily translate here with the, you know, Kirk Muller hiring, not necessarily flourishing the best to start, but... Um, you know, the, the players love him. Every player I talk to says, you know, you want to play your heart out for him. So it's the wake-up call this team yet, especially considering the uh, playoff miss. Sammy, what's the biggest difference between Laviolette's system and Carberry's system that you could tell so far? It's a good question. <laughs> um, honestly, I think, I think with Washington it's tough because there's a team still very much trying to figure out its systems. Obviously, Carberry wants more um offense that's the biggest thing that he wants right now um and speed pace is something that he really emphasizes laviolette not that i didn't you know not that i didn't want his players to play with pace but the whole cornerstone um of carberry system is pace and puck possession and management and you know winning those battles in the neutral zone and connecting with one another um and just from those system standpoints, I mean, it's a big difference from what we've seen with LaViolette, where maybe speed wasn't necessarily a big priority for the group. Um, and and now, of course, obviously with, you know, Mitch Love also coming in, a whole new staff coming in, and there's an adjustment period, but you're seeing more speed, 
you're starting to see the defense step up a little bit more. Martin Fairbury scored in the game that's going on as we speak. Um, you know what I mean? And, you know, just trying to work with that defensive group to get them more involved offensively because that's not necessarily the way the system started when he got here. Um, but a lot of it is pace, possession, and just making, you know, your opponents pay for those mistakes. And then, obviously, you know, you want to clean up and avoid turnovers and the basic hockey stuff. So the biggest difference, though, is, is that pace and that speed. We're talking to Sammy Silber of the Hockey News covering the Washington Capitals. Sammy, I want to know, based on the, the Capitals' performance so far this year, they're sixth place in the Metro going into tonight. Uh, they're in the mix in the playoffs. How does that compare to what your expectations were for this team going into the season? It's tough. I didn't... It's fine. I, I didn't really know what to expect from the team coming into the season. You know, this is my sixth season covering them. And, you know, obviously I grew up a Caps fan. So watching, you know, the last decade and change, you know, as a reporter, it's been, you know, playoffs or, or bust. Um, right. And last year, obviously you miss and you go in the offseason, you have a big change, right, where you have that coaching change. And then um, obviously some new pieces come in a little bit more youth is injected. So I think the expectations – for me personally, is this team that missed out in the playoffs going to, and has a new coach coming in, going to wake up and be top of the Metro right away? No. And that, that's a ridiculous expectation for any group. I mean, you guys could say the same thing if it was, if it was New York, you know, in, in that scenario. Right. So um, I think I was expecting a bounce back season. Um, you know, they're a hungry group in there. Um, those guys, you know, they want to win. They have a winning standard in there. They have the pieces and capability to finish higher than where they were. Um, now that I've seen the systems and the attitude, I think that this is a team very much that is in the thick of the playoff race and is going to stay there um, and is going to fight for it. You know, it's not going to fizzle out and they're going to finish, you know, second to last without trying at all. Um, you know, the consistencies really start to get together. And, and that's why I expect is for this group to kind of find find that balance of consistency under Carberry and, and they're starting to put it together. Um, so that's, that's why I think I, you know, the biggest difference was, um, but I expected, you know, a bounce back of maybe wild card territory. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm sticking with. And, and that's what we're kind of seeing. In terms of Anthony Mantha, is he, is he starting to figure things out now? I think so. I talked, I talked to Mo the other day and he's, He's just a happier player. I mean, you can see it. You you know, even talking to him, he says he's having fun. He's smiling. He's enjoying coming to the rink, loosening up a bit. And what's impressed me about him is not necessarily so much his play with the puck in production, but his play away from the puck. Um, the way he reads the ice, his awareness, you know, the chemistry he's having with McMichael and Protoss on the McPromo line, as I call it. Um, so I think, you know, with Mantha, you're seeing a player who's finally starting to figure it out and that he's having fun again. He's happy, and under Carberry, I think he's kind of resurrected that player a little bit of, okay, to be a good hockey player and get results, you need to do X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? But it's not all, you know, oh, you need to, like, you know, adjust your shot or this or that. No. Like, you need to focus on your play away from the puck. You know, tracking the play. Your defensive play. Your offensive play. Where you're standing. Where you're moving. Where's the puck going to be next? I mean, those are all things that you've seen Mantha really take a step up with. So I, I think he's starting to figure it out. And I think Caps fans should be, considering the lack of offense, seeing him figure it out is, um, you know, 
Terry on top, I guess. <laughs> right on, Sammy. And I think something that surprised me is just how well the Capitals have been performing without Backstrom. Obviously, he's been out, and he will be. Who's been filling the void there with Backstrom being out to, to help them stay in the mix here in the playoff race? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Nick, the last you know couple of years have been tough, you know, where he has missed significant time, and there have been players who stepped in to help fill the void. Um, I mean, if you're you're talking straight center who's stepped up, Dylan Strom, no doubt. I mean... Stromer has not just stepped up for the centers, but he stepped up for the whole team. You know, he's leading this group in goals right now, and goals aren't necessarily coming as easy as they have in the past. Um, you know, he's making good plays, his speed through the neutral zone. He wins those battles. He's a reliable puck carrier, and he's a playmaker. Um, and a player like Backstrom, you know, it's not it's not just the skill that you're missing. It's the voice. Um, and I think that that's something that the Caps have really missed, too, is having his voice in the room he he's just a huge part of the culture in dc um so in that sense you know you also see guys like tom wilson with the leadership you know he's an alternate captain he's wearing the a almost every night you know with backy out so um and then he's putting up those numbers too and he's making those plays too is he a center no but he's playing up the production that maybe they're missing a little bit there so i think that Dylan Strom is the biggest piece of that puzzle, but off ice, I mean, you got to give credit to to Tom Wilson for really taking on a leadership role with this group. As much as you guys might hate to hear that, well, it's it's, um, it's funny you brought him up because that was actually my next question. I had queued up is you know you look at that contract extension that he got over the summer, and, and I think you know around the league, you know maybe there was some question marks like, hey, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of term, and and like you brought up, uh, everybody around the league doesn't have the, the warmest feelings about him, but maybe you can just speak on, you know, what he means to that locker room. And, and I guess it just sounds like he's one of those, you know, players you hate to have to play against, but you'd love to play with on your team. Maybe you can just speak on that a little bit more. Yeah. Willie, Willie's huge. I mean, he's six, four, so he is huge, but no, like <laughs> Quite he's, literally, yeah. he's, he's huge in the sense of, uh, I mean, he, he is the glue in that room. Um, every single guy in that room absolutely adores Tom Wilson. Did they like playing against him? No. You know, you can talk to a handful of them who played against him, and they're like, oh, I hated that guy, you know. But playing with him, I mean, he's the one you want at your side when you're going to battle every night. You know, he can lead. He can score. He can pass. He can move quickly. You know, he knows how to read the ice. He can kill penalties. He can log time on the power play. He can log top six minutes, and he can contribute consistently. Um, and then everything else that comes with it, obviously, he's still throwing the weight around. He's cleaned it up, you know, in the disciplinary category. He, he's cleaned it up a fair bit. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that just comes with earning your reputation and growing as a player. And that contract, you know, people outside of the team may have looked at him and been like, oh, my goodness, you know, you're giving that much term, you know, and to this guy. But no, I mean, that's if you ask any caps, I mean, it's the perfect deal for him because he's certain to get the C after, you know, OV hangs him up just because of what he means to the team. He's the next face of the franchise. He's the heart and soul. And, you know, obviously having him on the ice too, I mean, it brings a different factor. I don't think many people are going to mess with you if uh, Tom Wilson's standing right there. Right. So he, he just means, he means so much. And it's been fun for me as a journalist to cover him from, you know, from his 20-game suspension up until now, just to see the growth, you know, and also, like, how he overcame the ACL tear and this and that and the scoring and 
how he's transformed his image. It's it, it's just been a lot of fun to see. So that deal does make sense. I mean, it at first look it seemed like crazy if you're looking from the outside. Yeah, especially you know if you're not in the room and you hear about him from the outside, and nobody just thinks, oh, he's a dirty player. Um, but no, I mean it, it's a no brainer here. So. Sammy, what are your thoughts on this move that's coming where they're going to move to uh, not D.C.? They're not going to be in D.C. anymore in uh, Chinatown over there. Yeah, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to miss the Irish Channel. I think, I <laughs> <Yeah>. think every, <laughs> I think every journalist can say that, right? Um, it's a good bar. No, it's a good um, bar. It is. It, it's an Islanders bar. Yes. Apparently. What I, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I, I think it's a, it's, it's strange. It, it's bittersweet for me. I mean, just because. You know, obviously, growing up a fan of the team, you know, all I've known is Gallery Place Chinatown, right? All I've personally known is Verizon Center, Capital One Arena, MCI, even, you know, since 97. Wow, MCI, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I was born, so I can't sit there and be like, I remember when it was MCI, because I, like, I literally just came out of the womb, so I can't even, you know, sit there and claim that. Um, but no, seriously, uh, I think it's it strange for a lot of people. If you're in Virginia, you love this move. Um, you know, it's a brand new fan experience coming. Um, it's going to be different from everything I've seen. It's going to give the Caps a new state-of-the-art home. And fans in Virginia won't have to trek out to D.C., right? But then you look at the flip side of it. And you look at those fans in D.C. And you look at those fans in Maryland, especially the ones in Upper Maryland, right? Your Frederick fans, your Gaithersburg fans. I'm probably just rattling off cities that you guys like have Correct. no idea. But we're, we're nodding. We're good. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> but, you know, so, so hopefully some people listening to this know what, what it is. But uh, the point is, you know, that that's a trek. It's added time um, and it's far. Um, and it also, I mean, D.C., the Caps have been such a huge part of the D.C. community. Um, doing so much for the city as a whole. And when you take that away, what remains? You know what I mean? It's you know, nothing, not nothing, but no hockey scene. It's just gone from DC and removing that as a whole is just, it hurts, especially if you've been there, like from the start, but they've played in Landover before, like Landover, Maryland. Like it's not like they've always played in DC and that's the only place they've ever called home. Like, no, we've, we've had Maryland rink before and we have had DC rink before. It looks like we'll have a Virginia rink before. It's been a conversation that's been going on for years. It's nothing new, you know, because Monumental has been talking with DC, you know, about renovations for years and it just hasn't gone in that direction. And that's business. Yeah, I think when it was. It's it's cruel. Well, I think when it was in Maryland, it was called the Cap Center back way back when. But but I just want to ask you with regards to this. What was the the motivating factor behind the move? Was it a financial thing? Was it a political thing with the region? Or was it just, hey, these guys need a new arena and the best place they can get it is Virginia? I don't think they necessarily needed a new arena. I think, because there's nothing wrong with Capital One. I mean, the, you know, the ice and the facilities and everything there. I think I think Drake even, like, played a concert there and he was like, the Caps definitely had the best showers. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like as far as I'm concerned, there's there's no concerns, really, with the facility. Um, and I think, honestly, it, it comes down to politics and, and finances at the end of the day, and, and that's a beast Always bigger does. than myself that I, I can't speak on because, you know, what? I have, like, 
I don't even carry cash on me. And I'm also not a politician. So, you know, I mean, it's yeah, I think it's just, you know, politics of we want renovations. D.C. necessarily isn't making that initiative to make it happen at Capital One at this time. Okay, we're going to move. Is that going to force D.C.'s hand a little bit? It did because Muriel Bowser made, you know, at the 11th hour kind of swooped in and was like, we'll give you 500 million for the renovations, even though the asking price, I believe, was 600 million. So it's a lot of things, I think. It's just a lot of it it feels like I'm at a kid's table and there's like an adult conversation happening is is the best analogy that that I can make, even though I look like I'm 12. But that's beyond the point. (laughs) Like it's it's just politics and and finances in one gross big bundle. So sounds like every arena situation. Uh, yep, uh, there you <laughs> across go across the league. But uh, Steph, do you have anything else? Or are you good? I was going to ask you what the score of the Caps game is right now because I know you're covering it. So we do appreciate you taking the time out of your coverage yeah. to talk with us here. No, no problem. No problem. It's what I'm here to do. Um, it is one to one. It's a. It's actually a pretty good game. It's. It's a fun back and forth, and it's kind of a battle of the goalies right now because you have um, Cooch on one side for uh, Carolina and Kemp's in net for uh, Washington, and both of them are just running and gunning. So it's a good one. I'm very excited to write the deadline recap of it. <laughs> well, Sammy, if you, if you don't mind, I'll give you one more quick one. Just wanted to get your quick thoughts on the PWHL coming in. Obviously, you play hockey yourself. I see your captain and your team over there. That's awesome stuff. But what are your thoughts on the, the transition? Obviously, there's there's been some issues with the previous league. Now the transition into PWHL. Have you kind of been keeping your finger on the pulse with that? And, and what do you expect from it? No, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a lot of fun to, to watch and to see it kind of, I don't want to say resurrected, because women's hockey's been a thing, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, this is like a new, we've never heard of women's hockey before. Like, but it is kind of coming back to life a little bit and in a really fun way where it seems very, very exciting and very friendly with the fans. Um, I've seen a lot of fan interaction with these clubs so far. And as a female hockey player, I mean, and shout out to my Ghost Pirates, I actually play in two hours, which is crazy. Nice. Very nice. Good luck. Yeah. Sammy, we actually have someone in here in chat, RV uh, Ron Twitch, who said that's my captain. <laughs> so go you, Ghost Ryan. Pirates. I love you, Ryan. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> I'll, see you in, I'll see you in an hour. Anyway, so as a, as a female hockey player, though, it's incredibly fun to watch. You know, I think it a week like this tells, you know, girls watching, you know, hey, you know, you can play, but you can also do this professionally, which is huge, you know, especially for girls and, you know, coming up the ranks in, in club growing up or playing prep hockey or college hockey who think, you know, one day I can be drafted and I can go play in a league at a big arena, you know, just like the NHL players I see on TV. So I'm very encouraged. And I think a lot has really gone well with the, you know, rise of the new league and the way it's gone. I know maybe the PHF and the, you know, Women's Hockey Association, maybe those didn't necessarily work out. But the talent that those women have is just unbelievable to see and seeing them all to come together in a new league. It's 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 an exciting time for for people like me and, you know, just to just be able to point at like the TV and be like, hey, like that's somebody who looks like me and they're playing that. Like that's so cool. Like I want to do that. And it shows that you can. Which sounds stupid, but it, it's huge. It, it really is huge. So no, I'm, I'm pumped for him. Absolutely. That's great. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how it goes as well. I'm glad to see that they were able to figure out, uh, you know, a new league set up and I'm excited to see how it goes. But Sammy, can't thank you enough for your time tonight, especially while the Caps are playing. So thank you so much and uh, good luck in your game tonight. 
Thank you. Thank you. Go Ghost Pirates. We'll see. Yeah, no, but thank you guys. I'm very honored. There's been a, a bucket list, you know, for me to be on this show. Oh, that's very I, nice of you to say. It was a pleasure to have you, Sammy. Yeah, he's held me off for a long time. Oh, <laughs> no, you've helped me out as well. Thanks so much, Sammy. Really appreciate it. Good luck later. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. Take care. All right. Sammy Silber of the Hockey News covering the Washington Capitals doing double duty, talking to us while the game is going she on. Po- it's great. She posts clips of her in the locker room getting ready for a game with the computer, with the skates on. I mean, she's, listen, she loves to play, and uh, she loves to cover the game. So Love she it. does two things at once, and she's really good at what she does. We so. might have to set up uh, a Sammy versus Stefan situation on the ice one day, get her to come in on like a breakaway or something. Yeah, the like breakaway, that. man. She's on her computer and on my computer. And we're just like, <laughs> so. You ever see that sure. commercial with Gretzky? Gretzky asks, uh, McDavid asks Gretzky to race. And it's them on the Zambonis? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yes. what it'd be like, except okay. computers. So. Okay, fair enough. Well, good stuff. Uh, why don't we take one more break? But before we do, I want to tell you all about our good friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. So with that, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video, or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook, or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. So, Stefan, we were talking a little bit during the break. Uh, apparently, there's some, there's some fans, there's some listeners, viewers in the chat giving you a hard time about the hat. Did you have anything you want to address that at all? Or, I mean... Just keyboard okay warriors, it? keyboard warriors. That's, that's <laughs> what it is at this point. Not, nothing new for me here. No, I mean, listen, I didn't get this... Uh, this hat fitted to my head. You know, this was put on me on the spot. I did have an ugly sweater. Did not get the text that we were wearing ugly sweaters today. So we'll see. If you have the holiday spirit, you don't need the text. You just show up. I'm new to you this. Know, I'm Chris- a little disappointed. You know what I mean? I'm new to the Christmas uh, stuff. You know, you got some Hanukkah sweaters out there, man. I do have an ugly sweater, Hanukkah one. Come I, on, I would have worn it. I'm just, you know, strictly thinking about hockey. I'm not, you know, tuning everything You're else focused. out. I'm focused. Eat, sleep, hockey. Eat, sl- exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. But um, listen, the hat's very comfortable. 
That's good, say, keeping you warm, It's very right? cozy. Um, yeah. Hopefully it hasn't dropped below my head. Red looks good on you, buddy. Red's a fair color. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, look at that. Can we talk hockey now, please? Thank you. Am I making you uncomfortable? <laughs> 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 All right, let's talk some hockey. So the New York Islanders are averaging 4.125 goals in the month of December. That's a lot for the Islanders. But they're also giving up 3.625 since the month started as well. But there's a reason for that. That is the guy's name, Barzell. Dobson, Bo Horvat, Brock Nelson, all contributing to that in one way, shape, or form. And one more little nugget before we get into those guys is since November 15th, the Islanders have scored three or more goals in all games except for the one shootout loss to Philadelphia on November 25th. So, Stefan, maybe you can just chat on the fact that this team, uh, maybe uncharacteristically compared to years previous, just how they're scoring all these goals. Well, first off, I think the Horvat Barzal duo is just a live. I don't know if they're living up to expectations or if they've seeding them, perhaps. Yeah, because we thought, okay, once they got going, they'd be good. But I mean, they are lethal. And it's, again, Barzal scoring, not just playmaking. Uh, Horvat right. playmaking, not just scoring. And then Noah Dobson, he's everything for this team. If you're looking at the team MVP, I wrote a story this morning about the yeah. race to Toronto for the All Star game where you got Dobson, Barzal, and Horvat. And I think right now, Dobson's the clear favorite. When you're averaging over a point per game as a defender and, and you're, you know, third most assists in the league amongst defensemen, yeah, you're doing something right up there. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I talk about it so many times too is, yes, the offensive numbers are great, but he's been great defensively. You don't want to see him sacrifice the defense for the offense, especially with all the guys out mm-hmm. too. Like you need Dobson, defenseman Dobson, the guy that could shut down the opponent's best, but also he's making it look so easy in the offensive zone where he could have another five or six assists just by the plays he's making. Yeah, no, he's he's been unreal. And just to rattle off numbers, Barzell, 10 goals, 22 assists for 32 points in 29 games played. Noah Dobson, 5 goals, 27 assists for 32 points in 30 games played. Bo Horvat, 12, 18, and 30 in 29. And Brock Nelson, just under that point-per-game clip with uh, 15 goals, 12 assists, and 27 points in 30 games played. So I don't know the last time the New York Islanders had numbers like that. Could have been the Dougie Waite year? Sure, maybe. Maybe Tavares and, and Barzell and whomever else might have been up there with those guys. But, I mean, this is a year where they're in the playoff mix. You know, you, you talk about the All-Star game, and this might be a situation where the you get that rare occasion where the Islanders send two guys just because you have Dobson who has to go. Dobson you has to go to, on the defensive end. Yeah. And I wouldn't. it wouldn't shock me if one of Horvat or, or Barzell ends up going as well. Yeah, they'll probably get the 12 players get voted in by the fan base if Dobson gets in on its own. It's, does that change with the whole draft thing that they're doing this I looked year it up now? today. I don't think it does. Okay, I hope so they're not, still voting in my, them in. in my article, I wrote there's 12 oh, guys getting okay. voted. So Okay. Um, but yeah, so one from each team and then a vote for 12. But you could mm. see Barzal or Horvat get in, or yeah. they choose. You know, like we saw a couple of years, was it last year? They didn't put Nelson into the fan vote because they knew he probably wouldn't have the biggest chance. So Okay. Right? Wait, what city is it in this year? Toronto. Right. Because no, everybody wants so to go to the cold. So we already know there's going to be 16 players from Toronto going because they always, they always do that with the home team. They send two or three guys. So you're going to get Matthews and then one of Marner or Riley or maybe Tavares, whomever it might be. They'll get a couple of guys. I mean, but that's also for the Atlantic side. But, yeah, I feel like the, the Islanders have a, you know, without seeing the, the comparable numbers in the other teams in the Metro, the Islanders probably have a shot at sending more than one guy this year. Yeah, and – Deserving so. Again, Dobson's yeah. never been to the All-Star game. Barzal's been there twice. Technically speaking, Horvat was there for the Islanders last year. <laughs> right. He had been in there. So right. That's his second time. So, for Do- again, Dobson's done everything to get there. Again, not taking away anything Barzal has done or Horvat's done, but you're talking about a point-per-game player as a defenseman on this team in a defensive system, right. yeah. so we say. Yeah. 
neck and neck with the guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, where you, those are your elite elite. I mean, right. Dobson at this rate. Someone asked, I think, last week on the show or maybe in the space, do you think Dobson can keep up this point-per-game pace? And I have zero reason to say he can't do it. You're watching him on a night-to-night basis making plays to get points, whether they're secondary assists or primary. Last night against Montreal, his first assist was nice. His second one defined Nelson where he came around the net and fed him. Mm, right. That's a forward making that play. Right, like right. You, don't, you don't see defensemen doing that. And he made it look so easy. So yeah, Dobson could sure keep that up. And again, he's also doing it now as a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, I think, and this is something the Islanders haven't had. I mean, you might have to go back and to Den- Denny Potvin. Potvin but yeah. I mean, this might be the first time the Islanders have had an elite defenseman, number one, bona fide number one defenseman since then. And look, it's 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 one season he's finally broken through. I don't think there's any reason to think that he's going to tail off with this. This might just be the Noah Dobson that we've been waiting for, who's a, a point-per-game defenseman. And, and what a game-changer that is for the Islanders because, again, they haven't had that in literally decades. And now, you know, when you look down that roster and you see the guys, the, the names that I just rattled off, right, and the, and the, the way that they're playing at a point-per-clip per game, and, you know, that's a recipe for, for a little more success, you'd like to think, you know, in a deep playoff run as long as they can keep the puck out of the net. And that's kind of where I want to transition to because they're putting all these goals up on the board and we kind of alluded to this last week how it seems to kind of be at the expense though of what they're giving up on the back end because they're still letting up a lot of goals they're still coughing up these leads and you know is this something that Lane Lambert's going to have to figure out style wise for this team where he's he's he might have to dial the offense a bit so that he can keep goals out of the net I mean where do you see this whole thing going I think it's going to have to be on the fly thing because we saw last year when they had that such a bad January, Lambert mm-hmm. reverted back to trots. The offense was still dry and they mm-hmm. just didn't focus on offense really. They focused on getting one or two goal lead and then holding it down. I think if you try to limit the offense, that's probably a recipe for absolute disaster. You see teams that get into the playoffs because of their offense. And I think like you look right. at Toronto, Edmonton, the reason they don't go far is they don't have the defense and goaltending. Well, to the Islanders' advantage, the defense is there somewhere. Like These guys have done it. It's not like a team built on offense only that doesn't have defensemen that know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And also, they have goaltending that should help, again, if they get to the playoffs. When they get to the playoffs, again, I know Sorokin struggled here or there. Varlamo's been great. But, again, those other teams have so much talent in their top six. They have no defense, no goaltending. Of course, they have no shot in the playoffs. But for the Islanders, they can keep the offense rolling, and their defense just figures out, not even throughout the game, just in the final couple of minutes of the third, just figures out how to bear down and get those wins. With the goaltending, this could... Very well be a team that can go on an absolute run, maybe get to a cup final. I think the tools and the pieces are there. You're talking about the offense, but you're getting secondary, tertiary scoring. You're mm-hmm. Again, Dobson's not even scoring goals to reach the points, so I think is more important. He's making the plays um, to impact the offense. So I think this Islanders team, the way they're built, can survive offensively, but when it matters... They have the defense and goaltending to do it. It's just about, it's about doing that in that moment. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, yeah. We're still only 30 games in, but... You know, with 52 games to go, it is starting to creep into the back of my mind where it looks like more and more the playoffs could end up being an eventuality for this team. And I just look at the way that they've been playing to this point, and I and I tweeted about it saying it's going to be like something like an, a long walk through hell trying to watch this team hang on to these leads because it's one thing to see him do it during the regular season, right? Like, you can brush those off. And, and I wanted them to take that game against Boston. So that might have been the first game watching as a fan where I finally felt a little anxiety over it. And I was like, God damn, couldn't they just close that out, right? But then I thought ahead and I was like, if they're doing this in the playoffs, like, there's just going to be a collective heart attack <laughs> across Long Island. You know, just if they're up three to one going into a third period and we see the same thing over and over again. So I'm curious if this is something that they're going to kind of, you know, correct, you know, I guess... Best yet, if they can do it on their way 
to the playoffs, you know, when we get to April, May, or if that's something they're going to be able to change up uh, when we do get to the playoffs. But I guess the good note that you made was, is this is a team who knows how to do that already. They've done it before. And this is a team that can probably, you know, kind of morph their style into a more defensive playoff style hockey, where it's more the two, one, three, two grinded out games. And they're, they're already kind of ready for that. But I guess the, the one concern is how come that just isn't happening already. Yeah. And I think health no. plays a major part. Right. Again, we, we kind of got on Mayfield for the two or three weeks after, or a month and a half after his injury. Mm. But it was clear, like, sure, was he making mental mistakes that just can't happen? Yeah. But it was he 100% healthy? No. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was already so many guys out of the lineup that Mayfield had to play. I'm not saying he, most players play hurt. There's nobody that's 100%. But you could tell that he was he was grinding out there and he was being asked to you know, late in games to mm. box out. And again, we have no idea how he's feeling in those moments. He's doing what he has to do. Um, again, he never said, like, I don't want to play. He has a job. He's getting paid to play. It's a hard game, but he knows he's got to be out there. And I think now that he's on the shelf for an upper body injury, maybe he could get his ankle healthy. Pelican Pulak are out. I think when those two come back, again, you now know that Dobson and Romanov could play together, mm-hmm. which is something you didn't know after last year separating them. They could be right. a number one pairing. That means you don't have to stress and put so many minutes on Pelican Pulak's shoulders when they come back. Because, again, they're going to come back off injuries. How long is that going to take them? And then your depth signings. I mean, Riley's been fantastic offensively. He, he's physical, which I didn't really realize at all. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've liked him with Ajo. Again, Ajo, maybe not his best game in his second game back. But right. I think they play off each other well. But then you got Bortuzzo and Bolduke. And what you're seeing now is when guys get healthy, the Islanders have a huge decision to make. I know people are probably asking about how we'd line up the defense, and so I'll wait in case that's a question later, but they're the deepest it they've is. ever been defensively. I mean, you look at, again, we walked, came into the season where they had no defensive depth. If anyone got hurt, it was Bolduc on the left side, but they don't have a right side defenseman. Now you have Bortuzzo in the mix. You might have it's three or four guys what, fighting what for What the it. waiver wire and a yeah. seventh round pick can do for you, right? Magic. But but now that you you, you bring up those guys, and, and that's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind too. And not to say that the issues weren't there before these guys went down, yeah. but the fact that they've been able to pull all these points out of these games with this makeshift defense, if you want to call it, since those guys went down is, is, is fairly impressive as well, even if they're still doing it in, in heart attack fashion, you know, giving up these late goals and all that. And, and I kind of wanted to just uh, get, get your t- an updated take from you now that we've seen more games at O'Reilly, we've seen more games at a Bertuzzo, Ajo comes back, you, you touched on it a little bit already, but, you know, where do you see these guys fitting in overall and how they've been playing? I think Mike Riley cannot come out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, I just think he is, again, not to get on Ajo. We know what Ajo is you know, what he's capable of. We know he could be a, a sixth defenseman, definitely a seventh. He brings speed. He can transition. He's just not a big body, and he falls down right. a lot, and that's just that's his game. And you look at Riley, and you go, that's Nick Letty. Like, he yeah, could he do what that, Nick yeah. Letty did, maybe even more physical, but him skating up the rink and being able to transition and get over the opponent's blue line, the Islanders have not had that kind of guy in a while. And sure, Dobson. They needed it. Dobson is bringing the offense, but mm. speed. I'm talking about the speed in transition. Right. They have not had a guy that, one, could evade the, the danger, and just make quick turns and get away from it, but also carry the puck and get up the ice quick. They haven't had that guy, and for that reason, Riley being a left-sided defenseman, I just think he fits so well with this group. Because again, you have Dobson on the top pairing. Even Pellick, you know, he gets—he's not the fastest skater, but again, it's about thinking the game fast. When he's in his, when he's on his game, Pellick, whether it's a quick toe drag or a quick board play, he gets rid of the puck fast. Where there's other guys like Bolduc who struggles with that. Mayfield struggles with that. Romanov's gotten better at that. Then now you have three pairings that all have guys that can think and play the game fast. Mm-hmm. And they have counterparts who are better defensive. Or in Pelik's case, you know, Pulak is a very strong defender. So it count, um, it's a good game to have alongside Pelik. I just think getting Pelik and Pulak back together was definitely the goal at some point. And them being out has kind of forced 
Dobson and Roman have to figure it out, and they've they've emerged as a number one pairing. And now you have two number one pairings when people are healthy, if they all get healthy at the same time. We don't we have to see that. Yeah, and and speaking of getting healthy, just a, a real quick update on Pellick. Uh, I believe he's probably not slated to come back when his uh, long term IR. Yeah, comes so you up. come back the nineteenth. What's today's date? It's a couple days, right? Yeah. Two days, so that two, he would have been eligible to play against the Oilers, but Lane Lambert told us the other day that's that's not, not going to happen. Okay, um, Pelic is skating on his own. It is an upper body injury, so that means that they just trust him not to fall. <laughs> Essentially, okay. like because it doesn't. Sure, Pulak is not skating. Okay, which is definitely a negative. Mayfield is. I don't think we asked if he's skating or not, but he's an upper body injury as well. What There's a in- photo floating around with something on his finger there. So, so I mean, May- it looked like know. Mayfield. If you watch the replay, I don't have the replay cut on Twitter, but if you watch the replay, he takes a puck. Off the finger, he's wearing a little finger brace. Mm-hmm. Um, Pelic's got something on his wrist. Mm-hmm. Where the expectation is that he, he either broke or fractured his upper body injury. He either broke or fractured his wrist is what you have right. to think. And the question right. is, did he have surgery or not? Because yeah. obviously, if he had surgery, it's going to take a lot longer. Sure. So they're going to play it safe too with all these guys in the back end being hurt, especially with how the guys on the back end have played. I think they not that they'd be rushing players back, but if Bolduc, Aho, Riley, and Bortuzzo just were not getting it done, and they were essentially running three or four defensemen on a nightly basis. Hey, Pelic, you get your 90%. Like, we need you here. Or we have to make a trade because they have the cap space. But yeah, I think when they, these guys come back, like, this is the deepest defense we've ever seen because now you have the lane and Lou are going to have to probably cut, trade, or wave two or if three of these guys. If everybody stays healthy, or gets healthy and then stays healthy. Yeah, yeah sure. who knows? We'll be out of the lineup. Somebody by the else time could they go, get out, back. go down. That's usually the way it goes, but we'll find out. Yeah. All right, so let's quickly breeze through what's on tap. And now it's time for what's on tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. It's time for What's on Tap, and the Islanders are back at a Tuesday, as Stefan just mentioned, against the Edmonton Oilers, who were absolutely awful to start the season, but they have figured it out, although they have lost their last two, but they find themselves back in the playoff picture in the Western Conference. They've kind of done a, finally done an about-face after firing their coach. It looks like they're going to be a tough out on Tuesday. Yeah, they were 3-9-1 and one under Woodcroft. They're 10-5-0 mm-hmm. oh under the new guy, Knobloch, who coached the Hartford Wolfpack, the Rangers AHL team. And former Minnesota twin, right? Oh, God, you're too young. I'm too young, man. Sorry, <laughs> man. I know Joe Mauer. Oh, it's former New York Yankee, I think, right? Joe- Chuck Knobloch, that's right. And yeah. Joe Mauer and wow. Justin Morneau are my twins growing up. And, Fair and um, some left fielder, <laughs> Kluber, not Kluber, uh... Oh, it's not, well, I wasn't thinking of Torrey Hunter, but yeah. Moving on here. Connor McDavid's on a 12-game point streak right now. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, yeah, over under 15 assists do you think he has over that span? Uh, over. 21. Seven goals and 21 assists. It's it's video game numbers. It's disgusting. Wow. Um, he's got 41 points in 26 games, 11 goals, 30 assists. They did beat the Islanders 4-1 to the last time they faced them. That was actually Knobloch's first game behind the Oilers bench, getting his first win. And it's Skinner, who I think will start against the Islanders, and I think Sorokin will get... That game with Varley playing on against Montreal. So the Oilers are an absolute dynamite team. Can't take penalties. McDavid's playing like McDavid again, and uh, they'll be tough. Yeah, and then uh, that'll be the first of a back-to-back. The Islanders go to visit the Washington Capitals, as we just talked about with Sammy, so we don't have to touch too much on that. They go into D.C., division game there. That's a big one, so the Islanders got to look to come out on top on that one. Last time they were in D.C., I'm pretty sure they had two shots in the first period and scored on both of them. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they got, you know, it handed to them in the, I think it was a 4-1 loss at home with Shepard playing in his second or third career game for Washington. So, yeah, we saw that Ovechkin's been struggling. There's other guys in that lineup that are dangerous. A guy like Anthony Mantha, who we talked to Sammy about, is really heating up. And their defensive structure and goaltending has been pretty solid this year. So, yeah, it's never easy playing that team, but the Islanders did have some luck last time they were up there. So, it's about scoring first and 
Don't take penalties. Scoring first and then holding on to your leads. And don't take penalties. And also don't take penalties. Yeah. Especially Sounds like a, the, the equation to success against most teams. Kind of like keys to the game. For like every game? <laughs> right. Just, yeah. You can literally put them up there for every game. Stay out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that could be Nip's Tips. Nip's Tips. There you go. We'll bring it back. And one more game that this week coming up. They go into Carolina on Saturday, 16-12-2. Uh, interesting note on the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm sure you saw that Antti Ranta put on the waiver wire. That's sad because he's meant... I mean, even in the playoffs last year, you saw him get a lot of the bulk load against the Islanders. And he's one of those guys that has never been a really good starter in this league, but he's been such a good backup and this year, he kind of got with Anderson having the blood cut, which, by the way, he's cleared to return, I think, okay. just to practice. But with with him being out, they kind of threw Ranta into a role that he's never really been good at and mm. expected him to be good at it. And mm. they said after the game the other night where he, he played pretty bad that he was an emotional wreck in there, and te- his teammates had to console him and stuff. Mm. And he just has, I think he's got an 853 save percentage, something like that. Again, like, mm. is it fair to him? Right. No, but at the same time, you have a job to do. He didn't do the job. He gets put on waivers. It's tough for the organization to have to do that. It's got to be really tough for Ranta. So hopefully he either lands on his feet somewhere else and figures it out or he's at peace maybe calling it a career. He's been very good over his career as a backup. So it always sucks to see that, especially when a guy like that's had to really grind. He always used to he used to start games, and then after four or five games, you could see fatigue mm-hmm. gets in. So really good backup. Hopefully his career is not done, but yeah. It's put on waivers. It sucks. Yeah, and look, that's a team that hasn't been performing to expectations so far this season. They, they kind of needed a, a kick in the ass here, so maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. that's the wake-up call that they need. So we'll see. Another uh, another tough week for the Islanders. Oilers, Caps, and Carolina. Those are three tough games. And and speaking of tough games, you know, this is something I've been harping on basically ever since the season started was the Islanders hadn't been beating good teams. Yeah. They have finally gotten over that hurdle. They've beaten enough of them now. And they lost to Montreal. <laughs> what? That is the NHL, my friend. That is the beauty the of hockey. League, yeah. But... Good note for the Islanders is they're beating the Maple Leafs of the league now. They're beating the Kings. They're beating teams like that. So they finally kind of crossed that threshold. I was waiting to see if that's something that they could do, which makes me more a believer of what this team can do this season. We'll see what happens this week. That is what's on tap. And before we go into Hero of the Week, I want to tell you all about our friends called Isles Fix. Islanders country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. And with that, Ed, give us some heroic tunes, please. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Blue Liner, featuring chicken cutlet, bacon, melted American, Russian dressing on a toasted garlic hero. Stop into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the Blue Liner all week. And with that, Stefan Rosner, please tell us about your Hero of the Week. Sean Cuthbert, my Hero of the Week is Noah Dodd. Oh, it's not me. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Not after you, it was going to be, but then you gave me this hat. Oh, sorry, sorry man. Uh, it's Noah Dobson again. Not McDavid-like numbers per his assists, but eight assists on the week, um, five goals, twenty-seven assists on the year. Again, he's what he's been able to do with Pelic and Pulak and Mayfield out, stepping up, playing big minutes defensively, shutting down the opponent's best. The plays that he's making in overtime, the win over Toronto yet again. He gets his body in front of Matthews, makes a play defensively that leads to the goal. Third time in three overtime wins that Dobson's made the defensive play that's led to the goal. Huge for him and what he's been able to do in helping Romanov too. I mean, Romanov's taken strides for sure, but he's needed that support from Dobson. He's certainly provided that. And again, top three amongst defensemen in assists this year. Best in the Eastern Conference. So 
Noah's been doing it all for the Islanders. I think right now he's the team's MVP. I I I can't say enough about Noah Dobson. He's been an absolute monster. He's got to be in the Norris Trophy yep. consideration right now, even if he's not a front runner. But he's got to be in the conversation just with the way that he's been playing. But one thing I don't think I would have caught myself saying going into this season is Noah Dobson playing better defensively than Alexander Romanov this season. It tells you how much of a mental game this really is. Yes, yeah. he, Dobson said he worked on a lot in the defensive zone, but you think about the defensive zone play, it's it's reading, reacting, but also just mentally grinding to make plays in front of goal. To get rid of, Getting rid of the puck fast isn't a physical... I mean, yes, you have to move it fast, but you have, if you don't think the game fast, you're going to screw that up all the time. So Dobson's definitely, he's definitely scanning the ice first. He's not taking that long to get rid of the puck, which means he knows mentally what he wants to do when he gets it, and that's everything. That's everything for a defenseman, and again... He's playing better offensively because he's playing better defensively. I don't think it's the other way around. Sure, it helps, but making plays, he said afterwards, the overtime win, he goes, making defensive plays makes you feel good about yourself, and then when it becomes offense, it's, I want to keep doing that. That keeps it the same way Barzal's <laughs> talked about how right, yeah. he's having so much more fun stripping pucks now than he's ever had. And look, his better defensive play, maybe it's not amazing defense, but his ability to take away the pucks and really thrive doing that, you're seeing the offensive output. I really don't think it's the other way around. Yeah, those no. are. I mean, Dobson's getting paid to be an offensive defenseman. Barlow's being paid to bring offense. When they bring the defense, I mean, Dobson went from a guy that was playing bottom pairing minutes last year because, yeah, he brought the offense but right. couldn't bring the defense. Now you're seeing that Lane Lambert's got all the trust in the world to play Dobson in big moments. Just quickly before we get to yours, Dobson's played over 26 minutes in th- in uh, the last three of the last four games. He played 31-31 versus Boston. It's a lot. It's a lot of minutes, <laughs> and he played well. Yeah. Um. So I think for Dobson, this is just he's earned so much trust and confidence from Lambert and the rest of his teammates that who knows where the Islanders would be with all the injuries to the defense if Dobson didn't step up on both sides of the ice. No, for sure, a great pick. And in truth, I mean, I probably should have went with Dobson as well just because he's been so far and above uh, the best player on this team recently and definitely this past week. But I did want to give props to another guy. I believe he was your hero last week, yep. and that's Simon Holmstrom. He's just been such a pleasant surprise for me this season and the fact that now it's carrying through 30 games into the season because you always wonder when you see flashes here and there is it just going to be a flash in the pan is it just going to be you know like an Anthony Bavillier for example right he's yeah. a guy who he'd go on a great run then he would disappear for 10-15 games and you wonder if it's ever going to come back and and granted this is something that could happen with Holmstrom he can cool off there's still more than half of a season to go here but through 30 games Holmstrom has been outstanding he gets the game winning shorty against the Ducks uh, the 2 nothing go ahead goal against Boston on that great move that you talked about before uh, he ends up extending the shootout in that game, even in a losing effort, but another another brilliant move, and what's yeah. so encouraging to me with that is, it's just that means this guy is just just spilling confidence out of his pores right now, you know, and that's that's such a difference. We talked about it with Dobson and previously, and and just these young guys. Once once they get it in their head that they belong where they are and that they can perform at the level that they were used to, maybe in years previous, whether that's in juniors, the AHL, or you know, overseas in Sweden, whatever it is. Once they kind of get the fact that yeah, I belong here, I can play. That's a game changer. And that's something we're still waiting for somebody like Sammy Bolduc to figure out, right? Because, I mean, he still looks shaky back there in the defensive end. Uh, he had a couple of rough plays during the course of the, during the, course of the week. But, but just to see Holmstrom blossom here, you know, uh, with, with such a great veteran next to him in Pajot has been a, a lot of fun to see. And, and it's, it's a reason why you and I were talking about whether or not Zach Parise is a guy who they might need coming back. We'll, we'll see. But Holmstrom's been awesome, and I feel like he just needed a, another bit of credit this week uh, as my nominee for the Hero of the Week. Oh, it's a great choice, and again, it's just the confidence from this guy. And I think it's feeling you, know, it. you talked about how you know it's short sample size here, but he also struggled mightily 
early on this season. He couldn't score on the top line. Right. But now but now everything's going in. The moves that he's making is shows how much confidence he has. Because you think about a kid, young kid, maybe I don't want to make a move. I want to just shoot it. Because yep. if I make a move and mess it up, and he's made moves and messed them up before, but he's locked in. Everything's clicking for him, which means he just has to shoot more, I think. Was it against Boston? He got down on a two-on-one. That was the one that he missed afterwards, that rebound, where he got on a two-on-one mm. with Pajot, and he tried to feed Pajot, and Omar makes a great save, and the rebound comes to Holmstrom, and Omar's left skate makes a ridiculous save. But you kind of think, okay, he's got so much confidence. Maybe he wants to shoot that. Not saying it was the wrong play to pass mm. it to Pajot, but you know he, he has a shot. We've seen his, his lethal release. So he could score in the shootout, score in breakaways, kill penalties, strip pucks. I think the other thing, too, is he did so many things well defensively last year. And now those defensive plays are creating the offense. We've just talked about with so many different players on this team. So, oh yeah, Holmstrom went from a, is he going to get sent to the minors to keep Johnston around? To, this guy cannot come out of the lineup. This guy might stop the Islanders from needing to sign Parise. And if anything, he gave Wallstrom no opportunity to play Zero. this year at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Um, and kudos to Holmstrom because he's worked his tail off for this. No, he's he's looking like that first-round pick right now. He's He's been great. So uh, that'll do it for Hero of the Week. Good nominees here with Noah Dobson and Simon Holmstrom. And remember, stop in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the Blue Liner. Great stuff from them. Delicious sandwiches over there. And you still got to try the, the Hockey Night New York wrap, Stefan. Still yes. waiting for that. Yep, yep. You, you going to buy it for me? Sure, sure, right, sure. We'll put, we'll put it on the show's tab. No problem. Okay, sounds good. No problem. Thanks, Jay. So now we want to know what's going on with a, what might be a new segment here. We'll see how he does with it this show here. But uh, we're going to go with uh, Jake's Jake's hot taker. <laughs> we're still figuring out the name here. But uh, takes with Jake. It, I'm just going to call it yeah. Jake. Or just yeah, Jake's takes. Takes what with you got Jake. You? But uh, today I'm just going to give you guys a few stats here. So the Islanders have trailed the second fewest minutes per game, only trailing 10 minutes and 27 seconds. That's just behind the Boston Bruins. But the kicker is they sit in ninth place with 1.2 points per game. So according to my calculations here, the math isn't mathing. The math isn't mathing. The math isn't mathing. I can't do math to begin with. So that's my take. The math isn't mathing. (laughs) Okay. So So basically what you're saying is the Islanders should be winning a lot more games than they are because they basically haven't been behind. They've barely been behind during during the year this year. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. It, exactly. And, you know, if they win a couple more of those games, maybe we're knocking on the Rangers' doorstep. There you I'd go. That's a see statement that. by Jake. Nice. Yeah, I love it. Jake, Jake, <laughs> lovely take Jake. there. Yeah, it's bizarre. I saw that the Islanders threw that up on the, well, MSG threw it up on the broadcast, basically went through, like, the last, like, five or six games, whatever it is, and, and they showed the minutes of, of how much they trailed in those games. And, like, in the Boston game, for example, zero minutes. Like, they literally didn't trail in some of these games that they lost just because they couldn't close it out going in. So, yeah, you kind of think about just how much better they would look in the standings, how many more points they would have in the standings if they could just close games out. And the, I guess the biggest question for this team still remains, can they figure out their third periods or even holding on to leads? Because they're, they're, they're giving up some of these leads now in the second period. They were up two goals. Can't blow a third period lead if you don't have one. This is true. This is true, but it <laughs> wow. can still bite you in the ass either way. But but look, I think that's the biggest concern for this team right now. And Stefan, uh, if you have anything to add, please do. If not, we'll go into our uh, next and final uh, segment. The third, it's just the final piece of the puzzle. Again, they yeah. got to figure out the penalty kill was doing better. Obviously, failed against Boston. But again, if you take elite, if you take penalties against these elite power plays, you're you're playing with fire. Uh, you can't rely on the penalty kill right. to get it done. And goaltending has to step up as well in those moments. But yeah, I think that stat tells us more that the Islanders are a better team than they've been. Because they can compete with all of those teams for, I don't know, 20, 40, 45, 50, 55 minutes a game. And they just, the final five minutes, they just fall apart. So Yeah, they're they're really messing with our heads. Because I, I kind of alluded to this previously, too. Is that, like, 
Would all of these points that they collected look better if they had given up the goals first and then came back later? Like, oh, look at the way they battled back and earned those points. Or they'd be right? trailing for more minutes. We, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. the way the world works, but <laughs> that's the way the math would math. Math or math. Yeah, yeah. but... You know, would 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 there be a, a different perspective on this team? Would people still have been calling for Lane Lambert's head? You know, before that they went on this run here, where they're they're in the middle of the playoffs here, and they what went eight one and two or whatever yeah, it yeah. was. But would there be that many calls for his head? And and would the, would fans be feeling better about this team if they were falling behind in those games and just coming back? You yeah, know? I don't think you could rely on it either way. Because again, yeah. if if the other situation was reversed and it was the slow starts again, which is an issue that. It was an issue last year. They would get on Lane's case for that still right. being an issue. Mm-hmm. But then you could say the whole resiliency thing is their bread and butter to mm-hmm. be able to come back, but then you can't rely right. on coming back every game. So, no, you probably have people complaining for Lane's job either way. That's but, again, true. at the end of the day, though, if they are coming back and winning those games and they're winning more than they're losing and they're at the top of the Metro, then I think people could suck it up and be okay. Well, speaking of complaining, now I want to know, <laughs> Ed, is there anybody in the chat who has anything to complain about? Because it's time. For questions, bro. Besides my hat. Are we hitting the... Are we hitting the press the button, buddy. I know you love the button. Because, you know, sometimes... So go ahead. Ask us a question. Yeah, Ed, sometimes it's all about patience, man. You just got to yeah. wait until the segment's introduced. Then it's you press favorite. the button. Or the audio or anything. <laughs> yeah. so, so how are we doing back Well, there? that has to just do with how's, also how's the phone How's your best buddy, Jay? Jay? Jay Bones. Well, he got me with the uh, the this... The circle. Oh, yeah? Like, yeah, he, he's, he, you guys he are clowning around back there during the show? It's great to know you're paying attention. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's definitely not my fault. But, Stefan, I'll start off with a question for you. Since we've been ragging on you all night, hey. uh, here's more like a positive note for you. Curveball13 in the chat said uh, earlier, the Hockey Night in Canada feed from the Canadians game mentioned your article about Barzal working on his shots. Hey, Did you know that? Way. Look now at my, you know now that. my ego is through the Look roof. That. Did you You're know? That's my question. I didn't know. You didn't know. Well, they, they talked you up, apparently. Wow. They pronounced my name right? Uh... <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I guess it doesn't Who matter. It's, it's Canada, Stefan Rosnier. We'll just go with that. I mean, oh, yeah. Stefan looks like, the way you spell your name, it looks like how it's spelled. Wait, I did not spell my name anyway. This is Stiff my parents' Hall. fault, not my fault. Obviously, you have some parental issues you need to work out away from the show. But I would say that the way your name is spelled, Stefan, it looks that way. It looks like how it should sound. I think people read it and go, there's no way it's Stefan. Like, they just look at it and go, how else would they, you pronounce that? Stiffing? I've been fighting for this for 25 Stiffing. years. How they can mess this up. Actually, I switched my Twitter bio, and now it says STF in caps dash I-N. I'll be getting called Stephine now for like a week. Stephine Rosner? Stephine Rosner? Whatever. I've been called worse. It's fine. Anyway, we're going to move on to Trotty19. Who's been roasting your head all night? <laughs> no pun uh, intended there. Nice. But uh, moving on from that, will they ever stop making so many dumb penalties at the wrong time? See Gautier. Will they stop? That's a very good question. I think the biggest issue with these penalties is that it's just carelessness with the stick. I mean, Lane said that over and over, and the tripping penalties, the high sticks, the hooking. Mm-hmm. I guess if you look at hooking, it's usually that you know, you're know trying to get back and make a play, but the trip, especially when the players are in front of them, it's just la- not but, laziness, but just careless. But also, in fairness, if you're going to take three penalties, you got to be able to kill more than zero. That, like, Matt's mathing. Right. But, but, <laughs> but that's the truth. I mean... Look, you are going to take. You're not going to. Usually, you're not going to play a, a clean, angelic sixty minutes like the New York Saints did a, a few seasons ago against the Boston Bruins, right? Like, their penalties are going to happen whether you know they're they're a boneheaded play, whether it was a, a play worthy of a, a you know like maybe it's a play you had to make to prevent a goal, whatever it is. You're going to take penalties, inadvertent trip. Those happen all the time. Refs love to call those, right? Or the they you missed know, the, that Godier trip by the way the other day. Yes, they did. I, I meant to mention that. Yeah, late in the game for that tying goal. That was that was. 
that coughing up of a, of a lead was a little more bad luck, I think, than, than it Again, was, you look uh, at the Toronto one, too, and it's like these are really good teams. It's different than the yeah. leads they've blown against the other teams because these teams are... I mean, before uh, Riley banged home the shot off Tavares, the Leafs had nine six-on-five shots on Sorokin. Yeah, that can't happen. I mean, that's just you're just you're you're just asking them to score, yeah. like at that point. And 100%. so I think it's a little different than just being careless and blowing the leads. But in right. terms of the penalties, like you talked you about, you got to kill penalties. It's also too is failing to clear the zone and more cycling by the that, other team is forcing them to take penalties. That and they're getting caught backdoor a lot on the, yeah. on, these, on yes. these penalties where. For whatever you know, whatever systems these other teams are running, they seem to always be finding a way. The wide to just open guy. find a guy backdoor, and and I've seen it more than once. And this is I was kind of slightly alluding to this before when you're talking about Dobson and Romanov, is that I've I've, I've noticed a couple of pucks getting behind Romanov. Yeah, uh, on and the Mayfield. penalty kill. Yeah, yes, and Mayfield. But uh, it just seems like they they seem to lose sight of their guy sometimes, you know, by the corner of the net, the front of the net, where they're watching the puck a little bit too much, and they forget the guy that's right next to him in front of the net, and that's burned them a lot. So the penalty kill just has to has to do a better job. Miller Manny wants to know, on a scale of 1 to 100, how confident are you guys that Zach Parise will return to the Islanders? I like that question. How confident are we 1 to 100? If he's going to come back, I think it would 100% be the Islanders. I think there was a part of me that thought if the Devils stayed as hot as they were, that he would go in full circle and, and maybe play one more year there. Again, if the Islanders weren't going to be a Stanley Cup contender, um, obviously see, things have changed. His connection there was Lou. Like, I don't think he'd go back to the... I think well, I think full circle in terms of that's where he started his career yeah. to go back. But again, that's not usually how it happens. <laughs> right. He did tell us that it was Islanders or nowhere, and the fact that he's ramping up, and again, where the Islanders are standings-wise, they could use some PK help. Um, again, I thought Holmstrom has done enough where they don't need... Like, Parise has a, a want, a very bad want. But in terms of a need, I don't know if he is in need because then you have to do cap situations and cut players, and Parise maybe is okay being the 13th forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's the honors or nobody. That didn't answer Mel's question. I'm going to say yeah. 75, <laughs> 75 well, out of 100. Well, the question, right. if he comes back, it would From be with the Islanders? No, 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 no. It was 1 to 100, 100 if he comes back. Yeah. Like a confidence level. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be at 90 I'm going 75. 90? I'll do 90%. 90%. I feel like okay. he's ramping up for what? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's an answer. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Math, mathing. There you go. Speaking of uh, Holmstrom, I know uh, he was our hero recently. Uh, Major Machka wants to know, um, does Holmstrom deserve more ice time due to his recent run of success? I think he's right there in the pocket, right? He's, just... he's doing what he's doing. I mean, I think he has a, a window to earn more as time goes by, but I'm not sitting there saying he's got to be on the ice more right now because he's, he's certainly doing well with what he's doing, and, and I think you still got to favor the, the high gunners here. I was just going to say, your tops. The, the Bo, yeah. the Barzells, the Nelsons, the Palmieri's. Like I, you still got to give your top six the most minutes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Fair enough. And Zab09, in light of all of the team's recent success, does Lambert get any of the blame for the absolute mail-in of 40 minutes against a bad Montreal team? Again, when you talk about effort and things like that, it's like Lambert's not on the ice. I don't know what – it was a second of a back-to-back, same exact lineup, <laughs> different goalie. Sure, I, I think when you have issues like what you saw last night, it's more about the leadership in the room than the coach behind the bench. That's just my opinion because, again, they showed in the third period that they clearly had it. I don't think Lane said anything to them between the second and third that was like, there you go, because then you have to credit Lane for them waking up in the third period. And I just don't think there was a coaching issue. Well, you know what's funny about that game is at the end of the second period when they were down 4 nothing, I was like, okay, the Islanders were due for one of these games. Yeah. Because they haven't had one in a long time. I was like, okay, this is a blowout game. It's the second of back-to-backs. They just had a long one against a tough team in Boston. I was like, 
okay, this makes sense. They were due because all of the games, and you've seen the stats come out, how many one-goal games that they've played, and most of them have been wins, but almost all of their games have been one-goal games because they can't hold a damn lead. But, like, they were due for, like, a blowout loss, which they just hadn't had. And credit to them, you know, where you thought it probably would have ended, you know, maybe 4-1, 4-2, or or 5-1, you know, something like that. Especially with the way they were playing in those first two periods. I mean, the fact that they, they even came out in the third and, and gave them a little bit of a run. They made it 4-3. to three. They, they actually, you know, gave you a little bit of hope. I wasn't expecting that. So they still found a way to make it a one-goal game. Yeah, sure, there was an empty netter. But that was a one-goal one game. I'm not necessarily giving Lambert a, a hard time over that because, I mean, I think we all know that over an 82-game season, you're going to have your losses like that every now and then. And in truth, they haven't had one like that in a long time. So I'd almost flip that and say, hey, they, they've been playing a lot of tight games, especially against good teams. So I'm not pointing the finger at Lambert after, you know, coming out with the uh, the slow the slow uh, start against the Canadians. Yeah, and with that, it's fair to say he's off the hot seat? I mean, yeah, yeah, right. yeah I guess he, so. Yeah, he yeah. has to be. Mm-hmm. Listen, they're, they're, they're literally in third place. You know, they were in second not too long ago. They're, they're right, they're in the top half of the playoff battle right now in the East. Now, look, none of us like these blown leads. And, you know, I, I played with you psychologically before about whether you'd think differently of it if, if they were coming back in games. But... The fact is, like, they're, they are scoring goals, and they're in 95% of the games that they're in. And they're winning more than they're losing, even though they're The loser points and everything yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the shootout losses, like, I don't even count. For me, again, I've said this before, those are ties to me. You know, the other team happens to get the point in the shootout. But, like, I'm never going to look at Lam- Lambert and say, oh, my God, you know, uh, they lost three shootouts. You know, how could Lambert poorly? You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day. Why is Oliver Walsh yeah. from not playing for shootouts? Right, I saw that a couple of times. Right, like you know, you, you can't even. Well, we got for an me, Oliver Walsh for me. You can't even stuff. coach for the shootout, but but yeah, you got to figure he's off the hot seat. I mean, look, if 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 these blown leads start leading to regulation losses and they're not collecting the points like they were, that's when the fire rekindles a little bit under the chair. But I think right now, I mean, how do you fire a guy where, where he has them where they are? Maybe you don't like the way it's happening, sure, but. I don't. I don't think he's going to get fired. Then again, Lou, didn't Lou fire somebody like a week before? He's the, done it multiple. A times. week before the regular season ended, he, he and the fired play. Claude Julian one year. He it was more dramatic. I think with Robbie Fatorik. I forget. Like, I think it was him. It was just before the playoffs were starting. Yeah, he, he fired whatever him. it was. He didn't like what he was seeing. He's like, you're out. And I think that was that year you replaced him with Jacques Lemaire. I don't think he went back behind the bench himself. But either way, yes, Lou has a habit of doing that. So I guess for any <laughs> you got any you fans yeah. out there that still want to see Lambert fired or, or ultimately don't think he can get this team to a Stanley Cup, at least, you know, find some solace in knowing that if anybody is going to surprisingly fire a guy, even when they're having success, it's Lou Lamarillo. He's your guy. So it could happen. <laughs> uh, Isle72 asks, do you think Wallstrom will get a fair shot this season or is he more likely trade bait? I don't think Wallstrom plays another game. I mean, barring injuries. Bar- barring injuries, I just think he's fighting with Martin to be the 14th forward. Barring injuries or a losing streak. I don't think we see Wallstrom getting back in. Like, this is the lineup that they like right now. They're having pretty good success with it. I don't think Godier is coming out. I think he's been excellent. I don't think uh, Holmstrom's definitely not Fashing's coming out. Fashing's been fantastic. Fashing's been good. I think he's the one who probably has more of a chance of coming out than anybody. But, I mean, with the situation that they're in now, I don't see Wallstrom getting in for anybody unless, like, they have a string of bad games, they or need injury. to mix it up, or or there's some sort of injury situation. But Wallstrom, he's just getting outplayed. That's the bottom line. He, even if he's doing, you know, wonderfully in practice, the guys are showing it during the games on the ice. The guys that are there ahead of him, and there's there's really no reason to put him in. He, uh, I, th- I think his last chance really was Barzal was sick against Florida. They put mm-hmm. Wallstrom on the top line. 
with Horvat and Lee, and halfway through that game, Godier ended up there, and Godier scores a huge goal. That served as a game winner. I just think, again, when Wallstrom's got the opportunities to show off his shot or his offensive capabilities, he just hasn't taken advantage when everyone else has. Fair enough. The Wheel 89 asks, if the Isles maintain playoff positioning, Lou probably won't hesitate to trade the first-round pick. If it happens, would you bring in a top forward or a top D-man? I like that question. That's a good one. You know what? I think my instinct right now would almost be the biggest need is a defensive defenseman. I, and I never thought I'd be saying that. We literally think the same because I held a space and was asked this exact same question. I said, looking at the roster now, they need a defensive shutdown defenseman. I said that would be the top priority. Now, if they were going forward... It's the hats. It's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Going, going forward, by the way... Uh, Anthony Duclair was a healthy scratch for San Jose. Mm -hmm. If they were looking to add speed, they could. I don't think Duclair would take a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. But a shutdown defenseman, I think, would. And again, people get so caught up with the picks. One, Lou's not going to be around probably for whenever that pick is going to make it. Right. And two, this team, again, you want to get the prospect pool playing well, but you're locking so many guys long-term. Dobson's going to get an eight-year deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a couple other guys under contract. I mean, you just don't. You need prospects, sure, but if you could get a first-round pick and trade a first-round pick for a bona fide NHL shutdown defenseman, I mean, if you add another guy to this defense like that, like a Pelic-esque kind of guy, you have one of the better defensive lineups in the sport and mixed with an offense that's top 10. That's crazy. Yeah, oddly enough, I think as things are going right now, that's probably their top need. Maybe... You look at maybe upgrading Anders Lee on the top line, but then like where does he go after that, and how does that trickle down to the and rest of the And it's just working with the top line. It's working so. right now, but again, 52 games left. A lot can change, and things are going to change. You know, somebody's going to get hurt, or somebody's going to go on a drought. You know, somebody might get hot that we don't know. But but like, look, ebbs and flows. Like think as 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 we're talking right now, defensive defense might have to agree. The as offensive side of the defense, Noah Dobson's basically playing four players worth <laughs> as far as that goes. So that's fine. Uh, we're also two months over two months away from the deadline yeah so. exactly we got a ways to go we could, let's sneak one more in and then we got to wrap this thing up so we, we talked about walsh from cg but cgs uh, basically asked uh if he's just a career ahl already and trottier just chimed in and said will lambert win the jack adams <laughs> <laughs> uh no the team that'll probably win the jack adams right now i think is in the metro if the if the flyers make the playoffs john tortorella's got to win that thing yeah and i, I could see i could really see laviolette winning it also yeah, I think those are two of your top candidates right there. Uh, unless unless the Isles go on like a 20-0-3 run. <laughs> what a – that would be the the cherry on top of this wacky season if Lane Lambert yes. wins Coach of the Year and Lou wins GM of the Year. Yeah, yeah, but I think we're both in agreement right now that he's uh, he's not close to that at the moment. Yeah. But with that, Sports, man. thank you for the questions. If we didn't get to yours, hopefully we'll get to them next week. But with that, Ed, cue that music. That's right, folks. I want to send a big thanks to Sammy Silber of the Hockey News covering the Washington Capitals. Big thanks to her for joining us tonight. Great stuff. And, of course, a huge thanks to our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And also a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, 
Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And, of course, a big thanks to Jay and Floored Media here for letting us run over 60 minutes and <laughs> not pouting about it. <laughs> Another long one here, but uh, big thanks to Floored and uh, absolutely Jay. And uh, folks, listen, if you enjoy what we're doing here, remember, rate, review, and subscribe. We're getting, we've been getting a couple of reviews in lately, and we appreciate that. Uh, that keeps us going. It helps spread the word. It lets people know that we're doing a decent job here at Hockey Night in New York. And Stefan, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me at Stefan underscore Rosner on Twitter, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, and the Islanders Hockey News site and NHL.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on all social media platforms at Hockey Night NY. You guys are being very distracting behind the board there. I'm trying to keep it together. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. So next week we have an update. We will not be doing a show on Sunday because, uh, well, that's a big holiday around these parts. So we won't be doing the 25th or that's Monday. So it's Christmas Eve. We're not doing a show on Christmas Eve, but we will be doing a show on Tuesday, the 26th. So mark your calendar. So with that, I want to wish you all happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Stefan. You look great in that hat, by the way. But for, for Stefan, don't lie to for my Jay, face like that. For Ed, no, you look great. Thank you. And for Jake the Snake, hey, great job with your uh, Jake's takes uh, debut, buddy. You, you read the card very well. You spoke into the microphone cleanly. It was it was a great job. So, folks, with that, for everybody here, I've been Sean Cuthbert. We've been hockey at New York. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We will see you next time.